Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fulfillment Podcast where we help discover better you by breaking through in life, relationships, and finance. I'm your host, Josh, and I want to talk to you guys about the art of the deal. Now, to start this off, I did just spend about 30 minutes, so before this episode, I actually published another episode. Um, I, I just got done doing it, so I'm kind of like back to back here, but I, I went through and I was doing my editing and uh, I was doing like the show notes and typing it up and I was playing when I when I do everything and I type it, you know, going through all the stuff and trying to remember kind of like what the show is about to type the summary and the show notes and all that through. Um, I, I, I listen to the episode so that I know what I'm talking about so I can get like fresh in mind, right? And as I do it, I sit there and I like talk to myself. If you guys have never, if you've never sat here and just kind of experienced what it's like to hear yourself on like <laughs> on a good microphone in a set of like headphones that are just on your ear and it's like all like super like sound reduced and like everything's just very clear and crisp, yo, you can talk to yourself for like ever. And that's, it's, it's the coolest thing. Like I'm sure it looks super weird like watching me sit here and I'm just repeating words, you know, and saying stupid stuff. I mean, I... It was episode 79, so I'm over here sitting like 79, 79, 79. There's an episode, there's a, uh, there's an episode in New Girl where uh, Schmidt, I think, turns like 29, and that's all he says. He's like, 29? So I don't know what it is, but anything that, any a number that ends in a nine, that's what I always say. And I said it on there, and I was typing it, and I'm like saying, of course, and I just kind of realized that for like a minute straight, I just kept repeating and saying like 79 in like different ways. So it was kind of funny. I'm sure it looks stupid to watch, but... Fun fact. So there you go. But I want to kind of brought up an interesting thing, and I was talking with um, with my masseuse, my sorcier, uh today, and we're going over a few different things and kind of like talking about some stuff. But I was thinking about this this idea of kind of like figuring out who you are and like not failing or not 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 viewing failures as failures, but as lessons learned. And uh, you, you kind of have to like find your personality, right? So I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of other shows. I listen to like the Wolf's Den, Jason um, Capital podcast, the marketing podcast by uh, Russell Brunson. Um, there's one by Aaron Dowdy that I listen to. Uh, there's just a whole bunch of shows, right? Of course, the Joe Rogan um, experience, like a whole bunch of stuff. And everybody's got like a different thing, right? The Wolf's Den, um, he's very, Jordan Belfort is very, like in your face, right? He's a, he's what you think of when you think of like a Bostonian kind of like fighter, you know, it's just like that typical Boston, Boston type accent kind of guy. And he just, you know, whatever. So he's very like in your face and very direct kind of, um, Jason Capital is very much like, Hey, check it out. This and this and this. And he's very good at storytelling. Uh, Russell Brunson is very like authentic and very story driven and very kind of like real. Um, Aaron Doughty is very kind of like goofy almost more, right? He's more realistic and goofy and down to earth. So you, everybody's kind of got like these different personalities. And you just kind of got to find, I think, I when I first started this show, I struggled with what my personality was going to be. Like I was trying to come up with a personality, right? Like what I wanted it to be. And it, uh, I think person, like I think it feels fake. And I think you can tell that as like the listener, you can tell when shows feel fake and you can tell when like the person doesn't seem legit and genuine. And, um, that, that really bugs me, especially in real life. Like if I come across somebody and they seem fake or they're always like smiling or no matter what you say, they laugh after it. Like 
the shit's fake as fuck, and I hate it. I can't stand those people. Like you go into, an, you know, how you like you go into an office setting, or you go out to dinner or something, and you're meeting, you're meeting maybe your like your spouse's friend, or you're meeting their family, or you're meeting like your, you're out with your girlfriend, and you meet her friend's like boyfriend, and you're supposed to like get along. So haha, he he, and he's just like the weirdest dude, and no matter what you say, they like laugh at everything, and it's just like you guys are just so fake. I'm surprised you're not plastic. Right? Like, it's the weirdest shit. I feel like that with people. Like, I do. I really, I, I, I don't like it. And that, that obviously translates into my, like, relationship life. Like, you're going to connect with somebody who you're authentic with and who you're real with, not somebody who you're fake with because you're putting on a show the whole time and it doesn't feel good and you don't enjoy it. And it's going to either destroy you if you decide to get into a relationship or you're just going to drive you wild and never, ever want to get into the relationship. Right? It's going to drive you crazy. So, I'm that way in my personal life, right? In my own life. And I started this podcast and I was kind of struggling with trying to figure out who I was and what I was going to end up doing. So I just had a realization that, you know what, like the failures that we view in life, the things that we see as not doing them right or whatever can prevent us from doing a really good job at the things that we actually are good at. And this, this show, right, I think has grown. I mean, this is like episode 80, I think. I think we're up to like 80. We're almost to 100. And uh, I, I think the show has progressed and really grown and gotten a lot better. I mean, the equipment really hasn't changed. The, the computer has been upgraded, but that's not going to do really much in terms of like audio quality. Um, the microphone is actually, it's the same mic. I have a new rig and a new setup, um, some new like audio cables and stuff. And it's, it's very like convenient and clean now and, you know, stuff's organized. Um, and I have a, um, what is this called? A, a poof screen or something or a boom screen. So I got something that kind of prevents me every time I say like the P's and the T's and the S's or whatever, the things that like puff like that um, at the mic, it, it prevents it from getting that loud kickback. So that maybe makes it sound a little bit more clear, but for the most part, everything equipment wise on the show has remained the same. The thing is, is I've like, I've learned how to do it better. I've learned how to do my editing better. I've learned how to do my like sounding and recording adjustments and stuff, my, the editing piece of it um, better right? I've learned how to like improve at these things. I've learned like what positions work, where the mic should be, um, the audio settings and control settings and stuff that I need everything to be at the gain and all that. Like I've learned how to do things better. And I think one of the biggest tellings is I feel like I just talk now. Like I'm very just open and just straight up, like honest, you know, I, I listen to the Andy Frisilla has a podcast called the real AF podcast. It's probably one of my favorite ones. And uh, he's very just like straight up and real and authentic, right? He's really direct and real. And uh, he doesn't have like a hundred interviews. He's kind of got like maybe four monologues for every interview that he does or so, uh, probably around there, four or six or so. And uh, it's good. And I always kind of thought like, man, I got to do so many interviews and I got to sound a certain way and I got to have things scripted and I got to read from this. And uh, I think, oh, she probably sounds that and uh, I think you just kind of like, you got to learn a little bit about who you are and, and what you do and just really kind of just go with it. <laughs> like not try and become somebody or something different, but just kind of be, be you, be you. And, and then the audience that you'll attract will, will show that, right? So for example, um, I am, I'm like openly conservative now, right? I, there's no hiding who I am as a, as a person, openly conservative about that. And the cool thing was, is when I was first on Instagram, not first, but relatively recently, when I was on Instagram, I was, uh, for the longest time until recently, I would 
kind of put on this facade of who I was and not really like be open about the beliefs or thoughts or the way I saw things. And I had, I hovered around like 350 followers. Okay. So it was 325, 350 or so. Well, as soon as I started coming out about things, right, I, I call it my like coming out face, right? Came out of the closet about being conservative. So as soon as I started coming out and I was open about things and I was like, this shit's fucking stupid. You guys are out of your mind. Like we need to believe in God and we need to be, you know, just with ourselves and we need to treat everybody equally and stop looking at people's like skin color as being like a determining factor if they're racist or not, you know, like all this bullshit. And I started like being straight up about it. I, I lost people, right? I went from like 350 to like 320, right? So I, I started dropped probably like 30 or 40 or so followers. I dropped a bunch. But the cool thing about that was is then I noticed I just kept, I like pushed through it a little bit and then just kept doing the same thing and kept going. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I feel better about being who I am and being open about it than hiding and being some scripted false person. So I started just continuing to do it. Right. I kept, I, I kept doing it. I pushed through the fear and I pushed through the, like the pain of losing friends and, and these people like attacking me and stuff. And I was like, fuck it, whatever. I'm keep, I'm going to keep going. It's who I am. Right. It's, it's who I am. And I'm proud of that. And I did, and I went from like 300 followers then up to like 1,400 followers in the course of like a month maybe. So it like skyrocketed for me. Now I know there's people out there with millions and hundreds of thousands. I get it. Got it. Okay. But I'm talking like real authentic, straight up people, which maybe some of them are for other people. I have bought followers on other channels and other pages that I, uh, I run and manage. But this is my personal profile, and I'm saying it's just like it went from 300 to 1,400 in like a month, and they're just like straight up real people. Now, what am I getting to by telling you this story? So what happened was I surrounded myself, so I kind of like cut out the people that didn't agree with me and the people that, you know, hated me and started, you know, saying like calling names and stuff, the childish things. And I cut those people out, and I ended up just surrounding myself with people that connected with me, connected with the real me, not the fake me, the real me, right? I was at 350 followers as the fake me. Then as the real me, I, I, I connected and I, I ended up with like 1,400 followers. Now it's not over. It's obviously like continuing to grow and whatever, but I'm not saying it's done. I'm just saying like I connected with more people on a real front with the real me, and I feel fulfilled because I know that those people know who I actually am. Those people know the real version of me, so they connect with me differently. And that, that translates so much and so clearly, I think, to the show because I've gotten so much more positive feedback as the show has progressed. And I'd say the biggest difference between then and now is I'm at a point of authenticity. I'm at a point where it's like, hey, this is me. This is what's actually going on. Um, <laughs> I had somebody tell me about, they're like, yo, the, the episode where you had like the, the Chipotle delivered in the middle of it, they're like, I, I cracked up. Like, that was hilarious. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I totally didn't plan on that. But I had a friend of mine, right? I had a really good friend of mine, um, a childhood friend of mine, tell me. He's like, dude, leave that stuff in there. Like, people like that. People like knowing that you're a real person and you you actually, like, do real things and have, you know, goofy stuff happen to you. So leave that stuff in there. And it's funny because I did, and it actually, like, started connecting with a lot of people. People thought it was hilarious. So that's cool, right? That's cool because now I can be myself. I am who I am, and I'm putting that out there. And people are like connecting with it and, and they're seeing that and they're appreciating it. And I mean, the show is on a steady growth pattern. I think there's some things I could do to really get it out there. Um, obviously, like you guys sharing things and stuff is probably the biggest way to help. But like, it's really cool to see that there's, I can be myself and I can connect with people. And that's like one of the biggest things that I kind of like wanted to point out is this translates in so many different ways to not just like 
your Instagram story or podcast, but it translates to your professional life, it translates to your personal life and relationships, right? And it translates to your life within yourself and who you are. And when you can figure that out and when you can, you can realize that you don't have to be fake, you don't have to be somebody else, you don't have to put on a mask and a show to these people or to the people around you to please all these people that you think you're supposed to like or are supposed to have in your life. When you can be yourself and be authentic, you're going to, one, you're going to dispose of the negativity. You're going to get rid of the people that are going to prevent you be- from becoming the best version of you. And two, you're going to surround yourself and, and attract people that are going to support you in that journey. And that's what you want. You want the people that are going to support you in the journey. Because trust me, when things get hard, especially if you're doing something entrepreneurial, you're going to doubt yourself plenty. You don't need other people doubting you as well. You don't need other people influencing you negatively. You're going to do that enough on your own. You want you want to surround yourself with people that are going to pick you up and say, hey, I've been there. I've done that. It's okay. It's going to get better. Keep pushing. Or you got this. Or don't give up. Or take that leap and do it. You know, why not? Like, you need to surround yourself with those people. And sometimes that means you being yourself so that the wrong people can fall out of your life and then the right people can come in to help you get there. There's There's so many cool things about that. And this whole thing spurred from this whole like idea of being authentic and being yourself spurred from a conversation I was having with my masseuse over the art of the deal, Donald Trump's book, the art of the deal. And I read the book and one of the biggest things that I took out of the book, if I could take anything away from it is I could see how people would call this narcissistic, but it's really, I don't really think it is because I, I feel like it's a very powerful quality to have, but Donald Trump sees his failures. He never sees his failures as failing. He sees them as lessons learned and opportunities of growth moving forward. Like he talks about this like skating rink in uh, New York City. And if you guys are from New York, then you probably know what I'm talking about. But it's like it's um, it's one of the big rinks or historical rinks or something like that that they have like downtown. They they have in Manhattan. And uh, it's in Central, I think it's in one end of Central Park or something. But it's always been this like big iconic thing. And Trump talks about when he was a kid, how it was a big deal. And they, he loved going there and spending time and like the memories that they had and stuff of his dad and everybody going there. So it's like a big iconic thing. Well, there was something going on where it was like broken or it wasn't freezing the water right or whatever. So they like they couldn't use it. The city couldn't use it. And the city was like millions of dollars over budget and getting it fixed and they they had to like really b- bust through the budget and they they were way over the timeline. I mean, it was supposed to take them like 10 years and they were year 7 and they weren't even like started. So it was like just all of these things were going wrong. And Trump was kind of like, "Hey, listen, I miss this. I want this to be back up. Like this is really a a burden or not a burden, but like bumming me out essentially that like New York doesn't have this. Like there's so many wonderful things about this city and like this is one of the greatest memories I have like this would be a wonderful thing to have up and running and he's like how about this I'll take up the project I'll do it for cost and I'll get it done ahead of time and it's going to be under budget from what the city's planned and there was some you know deliberation that went on and the city had to get approved and all this stuff but they eventually ended up getting it through so he was able to take on the project now what he did was he went through the project and this is what I call one of his failures but uh he obviously he turned it around into like into a lesson learned but he would go through this project and he was like okay now we're doing this we're we're finishing this phase we're reconstructing this stuff now we get there and he realizes that once they get all the way to this certain point they've done all this renovation and reconstruction 
And now the foundation, the very beginning of it, something that he couldn't even tell the way the rebar was laid in the concrete when the concrete was poured because it dried in, in sequentially with uh, the amount of time it took for them to pour and then lay the rebar and then pour again and the weather patterns that had shifted and they did it during like the winter and stuff. So like it just all got fucked up. It wasn't able to hold the water when the water froze and the water would get into the cracks and was causing it to break and like it was just messing like all of this stuff up. And they couldn't figure that out until they actually went to fill the pond and freeze the pond that this was the case. Not the pond, I call it a pond, a rink, right? They couldn't realize it, that this was the case until they they actually got to that point. So we would have looked at that and been like, oh, this is a drastic failure. The whole project's done. You know, we're not going to be able to make it work. Like, hey, I fucked up. I failed. I didn't know this was the issue. Now I learned and, you know, we can't do this. We can't finish it. But the way Trump looked at it was he was like, he was like, whoa, like we learned this lesson. We see this thing. Let's not give up. We're going to make this work. Now we know what we need to do. We have all the answers. Let's do it. And he did it. And he still, so here's the crazy thing, right? He went back. They fixed all the problems. They went down to the foundation, report the foundation, like tore it up, report all this stuff, did everything, finished it all, still came in on time. They still came in under budget. It was like, it was incredible, right? He still pulled it off. And it was because he didn't give up, right? He had this tenacity to look at the situation of instead of being a failure, giving the keys back and hanging it up as a loss, he saw it as a, okay, we've learned this tough lesson and we've learned these things and we're going to, we're going to move forward. And he still pulled it off, still accomplished it in what time he needed to. He just didn't give up. And then he talks about a, uh, another example is if you know anything about the Atlantic City stuff that he did in Atlantic City. Um, it was, it was ultimately like an utter failure, but Atlantic City is like a big casino town. It's kind of like a Vegas, but, you know, East Coast. It's in Jersey, I believe, uh, New Jersey. And it's it's like just a bit, just like a, I would say maybe a mini Vegas. I mean, I've never been there, so I'm not sure. But from what I've seen in pictures and what I've read in his book and stuff, it's, it sounds like kind of like a different version of Vegas, like an East Coast coastal version of what Las Vegas is. So if you can imagine that, right? And he takes on this adventure and he wants to essentially build like a couple casino hotels and, you know, make this like a thing for him, make this like a place where he's, you know, obviously investing in, in building structures. Well, he, he, he makes some pretty bad business decisions. He puts his like wife at the time in charge of one of the operations of one of the hotels. And then he puts a buddy of his or a friend or something in operation of another one. And they, they both like run him into the ground because they don't get along and they don't cooperate. And the whole business structure is based on like them cooperating, working together. So like everything just goes to shit. Part of the construction doesn't even finish on one of the buildings because like just all this stuff goes sideways. And, uh, they end up becoming like over budget on the projects and like just all this stuff. And he, he ends up like finishing and then like being done with Atlantic city and like doesn't really go back. So, you would think, right? Most people would look at that and they'd be like, dude, you really messed up. Like you fucked up so hard. Like that is a terrible idea. And, uh, he instead looked at it as, okay, here's the things that I won't do in the future. Here's the things I need to do next time. Here's what did work. Here's what didn't work. Here's the lessons that I learned. Right. And he went through and he talks about, you know, how he's like, you know, this, this woman, like I learned a lot from her after putting her in charge and doing this. And I realized she's not somebody I want to be with because she doesn't seem the same values as me. She doesn't handle like certain things under pressure. Like I need her to, you know, she like doesn't do the qualities that he's looking for in a spouse and in a, uh, you know, on a partner. And 
he's like, thank God we learned this stuff. Otherwise, I probably would have gone through my whole life with her and ended up being miserable because she couldn't handle the pressure of the things that I wanted to do and achieve in life. She couldn't have handled those. So he looks at these things that you would see as failures. He looks at them as successes or things that support his future successes. And, and it's, it's just, it's very interesting, right? It's a side I think that not a lot of people really understand or learn, but they may see him as narcissistic or as I see him as, I mean, that's inspirational to be able to find somebody. That's, that's the most common thing with, with uh, successful leaders and stuff, successful businessmen, successful entrepreneurs is people that can, can bounce back and that can continue to move forward despite whatever may be going on are the people that are always the most inspirational and they're always going to be the most successful because they're willing to take those risks. They know that they're going to make it work because they don't really see anything as a failure. They just see it as like, okay, here's the lesson and I'm going to keep trying until I can find that gap and I can make it work. I'm going to, I'm going to find the solution. And, uh, to be honest, this last property that I purchased, um, I talked a few times, we just purchased, we just closed on a, another investment property here a few weeks ago. And I tell you what, this has probably been the most difficult property I've ever had to go through to actually purchase. I didn't have provable income cause I've been like self-employed now for like a year and a half or something. So I didn't have enough provable income to, to throw it on in paper to qualify for a conventional mortgage. So I couldn't do that. I didn't have any money. So I had to bring in an investor. Um, I had to get like creative with, with the financing and stuff on things like just all these things. And then on top of it, uh, there was no, like, once we got like most of the, I got like an investor to invest like a shit ton of money. Um, I got a lender that was going to actually go through with the things I got people that were willing to vouch for like income and stuff in terms of like lending approvals and stuff. Um, and then I found an amazing property, right? I found a, like a killer property that was just going to crush it in terms of like location. So all of these things kind of like started working out and then we couldn't get the ding appraisal done. And usually what has to happen is you have to have a house appraised before you can close. So the lender knows that it's actually worth the value that they're going to be lending you the fun, the money for. Otherwise you got to like come up with the difference. So the appraisal wasn't getting done. The, the guy was dragging his feet and wouldn't turn in the appraisal report and like all this stuff, right? Huge hassle. So it looked like the deal was going to fall through, but I kind of remember what Trump's book talked about and how he like nothing was a failure and he, he never like, he doesn't see it as an opportunity to give up. He just sees things as lessons learned. And I was like, you know what? I still feel like there's another shot here. And this is like, I'm telling you, this is like two weeks out from our, our closing date. Like I'm, I'm, I'm talking like 10, 10 to 14 days. Like you're, you're planning on closing on a property and here I am like, how am I going to get this to work? So I, I ended up searching around and starting to find new lenders 14 days out guys. This is 14 days out from closing on a property. Most times it takes 30 to 45 days to close on a house, like to get the lending and the, the appraisal and all that kind of stuff done and in and submitted and everything approved. It takes about 30 to 45 days if you're doing a conventional loan on just like a home. Okay. So I'm 14 days out from doing this. And here I am thinking about square one, like starting over from day one. And I'm like, what am I going to do? So I started calling these people and I started talking to them. I'm like, Hey, listen, right off the bat, 14 days. That's what we got. And they're like, Oh geez. And like, most people were like, no man, that's impossible. Like we're not going to do it. I'm like, all right, sweet. So I just kept calling, kept calling, kept calling. Finally, I met up with a lender out of Denver and she's like, you know what? I think we can make it work. Send me what you got. You already got all your stuff. Send me everything that you got right now that you sent to the previous lender. Let me take a look at it over the weekend. And then, um, we'll do a, like, she had this thing where she's like, we can do a post closing appraisal to where they can, they can do the appraisal after you actually close on the property. And we did a bridge loan. So it just means you secure the property for like six months or so. And then you have to refinance into another loan 
but it's just like a temporary loan that you can hold on to so you can actually get the home and then you just refinance and do a different one down, you know, afterwards. So like, I was like, holy shit. So all these things all of a sudden started working because I didn't give up, right? I didn't stop. And I didn't just kind of like eat a loss with the last lender that just wasn't going to do anything or make this work. I kept pushing, right? I found another solution. I found another avenue. I found another path that was going to work until, you know, I kept running into walls, kept running into walls by calling all these people and they were declining me. Finally, I found somebody that said, yeah, we'll do it. And she pulled it off. She did. We closed on time. We closed right on time. I actually signed two days earlier and then the uh, the seller closed on on the day of. She signed the day of and then I got the keys like the next day afterwards. So like we did. We actually closed the deal. And uh, it's just incredible because I always, I, I thought back to Trump's book, right? I thought back to the art of the deal and how you don't give up on something. You look at it as a failure. You look at the failure as a lesson and how you can take that lesson and move forward and what you can use to, to help you with that. And so I, I took the inspiration from that and I drove it home with this last purchase and it ended up pulling it off, right? It ended up pulling the whole thing together somehow and we pulled it off. Like it's incredible. And now just yesterday, uh, we got a notice. I mean, this house isn't even, I listed it, but it's, it, it's blocked out still for a little bit because we're still getting furniture and furnishing the place and all this stuff. Um, but uh, today I'm recording on a Friday. It's supposed to go live on a Monday. And just yesterday, I got a booking for the next four months. It's going to pay out $24,000. Like, that's incredible, right? On this home that I almost lost three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Uh, yeah, like four weeks ago. I almost lost this home. Actually, it was like three weeks ago. It was super. It wasn't that long ago. Looking at the calendar right now. Like three weeks ago, I was almost lost this deal. And now here I am, just got a $24,000 uh, uh, reservation. On, on one of the units, right? There's two units right now. It's about to be four. But on one of the units, I got a $24,000 reservation, just like that. So pushing through, not giving up, using these things as lessons, taking the things that you, you learned and, and continuing to drive them home gives you incredible opportunity down the road. When something feels right and when you, when you feel like you haven't given it your all, keep going. Keep going until the fat lady sings. Just keep trying. Because you're going to figure something out. Where there's a will, there's a way, right? And that's the easiest cliche ever in the book. Where there's a will, there's a way. And if you keep trying, you're going to figure it out. And eventually, if you figure it out, shit, man. The golden egg on the other side of that rainbow is probably so fat that you're going to be able to do anything you ever wanted, right? So don't give up. Just don't give up on those things. And that's kind of like the art of the deal. That's just that's, that's, that's how I saw it. I, that's how I translated this whole thing into uh, into this lesson and the things that I've seen. So... I mean, don't, don't look at the things people say, be authentic with yourself, be real with yourself and just understand if you don't give up and if you, if you're, if you're who you are, if you, if you are yourself, if you are yourself, like I got excited with this deal. Like at no point was I overwhelmed? Was I stressed out? Was I, you know, pissed? I mean, I was pissed off, I guess sometimes, but I wasn't like taking it to heart. Right? I wasn't like really pissed out about it. I was more, I was, I think I was like enjoying the process more than anything. I was enjoying this like, oh, my God, this guy fell through. Holy shit. Here we go. Like, how are we going to do this? You know, it was like one of those things where instead of being like, we're never going to get this house. It was like, man, how are we going to pull this off? Like, this is going to be the wildest story when this whole thing's over. You know, and that was like one of the most common things I said was like, this is going to be an absolutely crazy story once this is done. And it was right. And we ended up doing it. And I just I was I just had fun with it. Right. I was just myself and I had fun with it. And when you can do that, when you can surround yourself with the right people because you're being yourself, you'll be supported in, in the things that you're going for and then in the things that you're doing. 
then, and that's really what it is. Like by being authentic, you surround yourself with the right people. By surrounding yourself with the right people, they're going to encourage you to do and to pursue the things that you want to do and the things that you can do. And by pursuing the things that you can do and not giving up and having the right people encourage you instead of the wrong people discourage you, you're going to be able to accomplish whatever it is you set out to do. I mean, this this house to me, um, we'll say a year ago, was impossible to do. Impossible. It was impossible to, to close a deal like this off. I was like, yeah, right, I fucking never own a, like, never own a $650,000 home on purchase, right? In this area, like the, the area it's in is just incredible, right? Literally couldn't be closer. So like the area that it's in just outrageous. And uh, I never thought I'd own a home there. If you would, if you would ask me a year ago if I was going to own a home where this house is, I'd be like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Those homes are one so expensive, two they never, no one ever sells them. Like they, they just hold on to them and like pass them down generation to generation. So I'm like, people in that area don't ever sell their homes. Like they're just fucking incredible houses. So I got super lucky, super lucky, and uh, and I didn't give up on it. And now it turned what used to be impossible into a living reality now, and it's going to be incredibly lucrative. So it's it's cool. It's powerful. Don't give up on yourself. You guys got this. <laughs> Surround yourself with the right people. Be yourself. Be authentically you. Be authentically you because when you're you, you can do anything and you won't give up as easily. When you're faking who you are and you're putting on like a facade because you're afraid of people judging you, Right, like I was, I was afraid of being judged as a conservative because I knew I was going to lose certain friends of mine. Once I started, you know, saying that I believed in equal rights for everybody and male and female, like didn't fucking matter as long as you're the best person for the job. That's all that's important. And when I started saying shit like that, I was going to lose a lot of people. So I was afraid, and I wasn't. I never did that until I finally did, and then I got, like, got energy from it. Like I felt better because I was myself. I wasn't faking who I was. And as a result, I started to surround myself with the people that would encourage me and, and support me in the things that I was doing. Because before, the people I was around weren't supporting me because I wasn't really who I was. I wasn't doing the things I wanted to do. So now that I am doing those things, I have the right people in my corners. They helped push me through this last thing. They taught me the lessons I need to learn, right? And now I've accomplished something that was impossible. I've done something that was impossible for me. So do those same things in your life as they translate to you and watch how your world's going to change. Watch how your world's going to shift. Surround yourself with the people that give you the energy that you're looking for. If it's this podcast gives you the energy you're looking for, great. If it's the Joe Rogan experience that gives you the energy you're looking for, great. If it's the, you know, the Jason Capitals, the Dan Locks, the Russell Brunsons of the world that give you the energy you're looking for to motivate you to do more, to be inspired, great. Surround yourself with that energy. Find those people and hold them tight because those people are going to take you to the next level. They're going to they're gonna force you to become a better person. And then also you're going to do that for somebody else someday. So always be inspired to do more and motivate other people. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's kind of cool, right? I, I like this a lot. It was actually planned. I, I thought it was going to be more like a 15-minute show. It was going to be like super quick. I didn't even do show notes for this one, actually. I, didn't, I just got up and I'm like, you know what? I want to talk about this. So sometimes these are the best therapy sessions when you just get up and go. Get up and speak. But if you guys like this episode, please share and like and leave a comment and review the show on uh, iTunes. It, it's going to help it grow, and I'd, I'd really love to see this thing crank up. I mean, I think we're over like 2,000 listeners now, um, unique listeners, so it's, it's pretty cool. But the the average for show is like all over the place, so I don't know what the algorithms are or how things work or if it's just people listen to the show all at the same time on a different day, but who knows. So feel free to share this if you guys liked it. If you guys did get a, you, you enjoyed the episode and you think there's other people who want to share it, 
if you guys uh, could go leave a review, like I said, that, that's obviously going to help out too. I love hearing the feedback as well. And then um, at fulfillment underscore podcast is the IG handle. And then obviously if you know my personal, feel free to reach out to me on my personal handle. I will be posting little clips and sli- little clips of these shows and episodes on my personal as well as the, um, the handle for the actual show. So I hope you guys enjoyed this so much. I'm going to be doing a few more of these, I think, before GrowthCon, and then I am on the fence about if I'm going to do a recording actually at GrowthCon and do some interviews with people, but who knows? Who knows? We'll see what happens. If anybody's in Miami or Florida, hit me up when you're down there. I'll be down there for just about a week, so feel free to say hi. I'll be down in Miami in Aventura. If you guys know where the Turnberry is, that's where I'll be. So look forward to talking to you guys, and uh, and we'll see you guys in the next one. See ya.